Praise the Lord. Good morning. Hallelujah. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Hope everybody's doing well this morning. Hallelujah. All right. Appreciate everybody coming out in the single digit temperatures. This is the last day of it. I guess we're going to be 30 today, aren't we? Hallelujah. Never thought I'd be so happy to see 30 degrees. (laughs) Amen. All right. I want you to really think about these words by Jesus. I feel like the taller it is, the better my eyes get. Amen. But really think about these words, because um, one thing we don't want to do when we go to church, uh, there's a lot of things we don't want to do, actually. I'm not going to get into all of them, though. But one thing we don't want to do is just hear a message and just hear a Bible story. And and, uh, how many know that the Bible is living, and it's made to impact our life every time we open its pages? And if we have the right heart, it will do that. And if we have the right... um, desires as far as how we hear the word and how I deliver the word. Uh, God has intended for it to um, really change our hearts in a very positive way every time we open the pages of, of the Bible. So I want you to really think about this. Words from Jesus. He's talking about discipleship here. <clears throat> and he's talking about, um, this is a section of Luke uh, chapter 14 where he's talking about who is going to follow him and what a person must do if they're going to be his disciple. And uh, how many want to be a follower of Christ and be a disciple of Christ? And uh, so I found this to be very interesting, what he told them after he asked them um, what it would take to be his disciple. And this is from the New Living Translation, which I don't normally use that, but I like the way they wrote it here. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and can't afford to finish it. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would um, anoint your word today. And uh, Lord, let it be like living food, Lord, living bread. And uh, let it be received, Lord. Let it be like a meal to all of us, Lord. And uh, let us understand your words, Lord Jesus, that you uh, gave to your disciples. And uh, help help it change us, Lord. And I pray uh, this blessing, Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. This is an aspect of being a disciple that has a uh, long-term goal. How many see that? This isn't a fast thing. And uh, so I want you to think about what it takes. In fact, some translations say if somebody went to build a tower, and some translations say, well, if he went to build himself a house. Okay, and I think one of the easiest things to do, it can actually be kind of hard when you get to the details of it, but 
How many think the, one of the easier things is visualizing what you want? You know, I mean, I got a pretty good idea what kind of house I want to build. You know, I've seen this house over in this such and such neighborhood, and, and I want that to be built. And then anybody who's ever been in the building trade, you understand there's a lot that goes into that. As <laughs> soon as your wife says, hey, let's build a house, people begin to say, well, that's when a lot of divorces happen right there. Because there's so much that goes into it. Um, you've got to really take your time and find the suitable location. You know, you got to right, make sure it's the right type of uh, building site. You got to make sure when the thing you visualize comes to pass, does it fit on that site? You know, does it have an adequate ability to go in and out of the garage? Is there enough room for the driveway? You know, um, is it going to drain properly? You know, there's all kinds of things that go into that building site. And then you understand that there has to be a period of time given to some professionals. You say, well, I don't write blueprints. Well, who needs a blueprint, really? Right? I mean, do I even wait for the blueprint? And then there's the whole question of building materials. How much is it going to cost for insulation? How much is it going to cost for lumber? How much is it going to cost for roofing materials? How much is it going to cost for every little um, handle that's going to be on every little cabinet door? How many know this is a tedious process to count all of the costs that go into building that building? And then when you get them all figured, you still don't have them figured. Because you're going to run into problems. And all, the, all those in the building trade right now are saying, you've underestimated all that. You have no idea. But this is the example that Jesus uses for our walk in following him, which is called discipleship. It's a long-term plan, and something at the end is produced that God had given a promise about. And so... I was preparing for this message and I was just, sometimes you get messages and you just, um, I like the ones where you get the text, you get the intro, you got three to five points and you got that quiver full and you got that arrow sharpened and you're ready to come in and pow, 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 just shoot every heart that's in the building and it's easy. But the Lord was just telling me that this is something that a lot of people need to hear um, in order for them to be successful. Um, sometimes when we hear faith, we just think, hey man, if I just believe and move toward the things God's called me to, it's just going to happen. And so planning is never involved. Counting the cost is never really involved. It's just, God, you called me to do this, and here I am, and why is this not happening the way I expected it to? And that would be the equivalent to a person saying, I got this great idea for this building. Why isn't it just happening? And so there's a twofold thing here. 
There is a scripture in Hebrews that says, in fact, this is Hebrews 11.1. 1, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now, how many can see that scripture in that house? It's like, I'm certain that this is the house I want to build. And although I don't see it yet, I just know that I'm going to build that house. And so what we tend to do with faith is we move forward and we think it's all going to fall into place and that house is just going to drop in on that piece of land and we don't take his other instructions which say sit down and have a good tabulation of what this is going to cost you. And so many times we take that scripture and we say that what that means is that I need to decide whether I really want to follow God and really figure out whether I've got what it takes to do it. And, and if I do, then I've counted the cost and now I'm moving forward. And I don't think that's entirely what that means. I think that means that there's certain steps in the process for you to receive the promises of God. That God will give you a promise, and then in your pursuit of that promise, you're going to go through a lot of things that you didn't realize it was going to be that hard. But God is preparing you and telling you that, hey, there's certain things, if you read the Bible, that you're going to have to go through to receive, to grab a hold of those promises and see them fulfilled in your life. The promises are free, but we've got to hold on to what we do not see in order for it to transpire in our life. In order for a promise to be appropriated in our life, we have to go through a very well-known process. So in order to have a house, you have to go through a blueprinting process. You have to have a very specific blueprint. You have to have a very specific idea of the materials. You have to have a very specific idea of the cost to go get a loan. You have to have a builder that knows what he's doing. Uh, You have to have every aspect of that uh, building project uh, professional in every one of those areas. You have to have a good person on the foundation. Uh, Hey, don't skip that one. (laughs) Okay. Uh, you have to have somebody who knows how to frame, somebody who knows how to roof, you have to know somebody who knows how to do concrete, you have to have somebody who knows how to do electrical, you have to have somebody who knows how to do plumbing. And that's the example that Jesus is using here. And so what we find is faith, where you have to believe in the promise, and people confuse faith, where you just have to believe in it, and don't believe you have to do any planning for it. And so faith and planning have to come together in that building process. You have to believe that that house is going to be built, but you also have to make sure you do the things necessary to see it built. And you have to follow through to the end. Now, I was reading a devotional, and uh, he gave a real-life example of this story that Jesus is telling. He said that he would drive up to a certain house that had been abandoned for several years. In fact, it was a pretty new construction, but it had been abandoned. Nobody wanted it. It kind of became dilapidated a little bit. And a new owner bought it. It was a five-acre, beautiful lot, situated very nicely. And this is a true story. And you drive by it every day, and somebody bought it. And you know how it is when you're driving through, and you're kind of like, well, everybody in the neighborhood's curious. What are they doing? 
what are they going to do? And, and the person who bought it, and he didn't know who it was, they were going to build this luxurious, um, multi-level, almost like a mansion there. And so they had purchased it. They bulldozed a nearly new construction. So you know they're serious, right? You know, they must have some means here to do this. You know, you don't take what's there, fix it up. I'm just going to bulldoze the whole thing. And then they started building the foundations for this massive house. And then they built the foundation. They started building the house. And then about 75% of the house was built and they stopped. And he said, it was so sad. He said, you would drive by that house and, did somebody get me a water back in there, John? I appreciate it. What it is, the building's been dry late. No waters? Okay, that's all right. Just give me some out tap. I usually don't have problems with my mouth, but I'm dry today. Probably all that dust yesterday. <laughs> um, but no, how sad is that? They spend all that money to buy the property, all that money to bulldoze it, Built 75% of that house, and he said, you could just see, uh, as the years passed, you know, all that expensive insulation, all that, exp- how many have ever seen that, where just all of it's just deteriorating, and nobody ever lived in it, all that money was wasted, and sometimes that's what happens in the Christian walk. We start to walk with God. And rather than continuing in the process of receiving his promises in our life, we just stop. We started, but we're not seeing it to completion. And he's saying, when you follow me, you have to be willing to understand there is a process and you need to go through it patiently and there will be something very worthwhile at the end that's going to be built. And do you understand Jesus is saying this is very important. Don't follow me unless you understand this in advance. Appreciate it, brother. And so how does this begin to apply to our life? Sometimes in our Christian life, and I think this is where God was calling me with this message. How many have ever been disillusioned? That means I have an illusion. And... That's not at all what I expected, you know, at this point in my walk. (laughs) You know, how many have ever had disappointment? You know, and you're like, man, I did not expect things to be like this. You know, and, and it's really, really good to be in a room when everybody acknowledges that. You know, we all need to acknowledge that. Because from everything I've read in the Bible, that's part of this process. Disappointment, disillusionment. Frustration, anger. Um, I wish we could write the script, and that's how it happens in faith. How many think that's funny? I see Margie laughing. How many think it's funny? Man, I've written that script before. Turn it in, put it on the Lord's desk. Say, look that over, this is the next chapter. Right? And sometimes we do this, sometimes we do it in prayer. Sometimes in prayer, we're actually praying what we think the next chapter should look like. And God just doesn't do that. It does, it's not how the faith journey works. And so that's what I want to talk about a little bit today. I want to make sure um, that as we're going through the building process, uh, we ourselves don't get a divorce from the Lord. <laughs> okay, I want to make sure that 
we stay committed to this covenant with the Lord and understand what to expect in this process. You know, all the times, you know, and you're in a building project and there's so many stops and starts and man, we thought it would do this and thought it was going to be that and, and then we expected this and it didn't happen at all like that and boy, we got to redo the way we thought that. And uh, even the best planning, you run into a lot of obstacles. So let's look, if you would, at Genesis chapter 12. And this is the man of faith. If there is a person who is an example of faith in the Bible that we are to follow and understand what faith is all about, Abraham is that man. How many of you know you don't get to be called the father of faith unless you're meant to be a real example to everybody, right? So it says in, in Genesis chapter 12, the beginning of the call to Abraham, his name was Abram and God would eventually uh, rename him Abraham. After his call. But it says in chapter 12 verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram. Get out of your country. Now stop right there. (laughs) Okay. Some of you are fairly firmly established in where you're at, right? Imagine that God comes to you and says, get out of the country. And you probably have a few things that are a little rooted in there. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you and in in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Now sometimes we stop there. But then it says, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all of his possessions that he had gathered, and the people that were there that uh, had came with him in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. So here he is taking all of these would be servants from that area, right? Taking all of his family, all of his possessions, and God has asked him to leave there. And all he has is a promise. All he has is, I'm going to make you a great nation. It was just him and his wife and all of his servants and his business, his herds and his flocks and all of that. And that's all he had was a promise from God. How many are logistics people? You know, like, give me the logistics here. What, am, what, what is the process at which I'm supposed to do this, God? None were given. <laughs> None were given on how he was supposed to go about doing it. It just said, if you'll listen to me, I'm going to make uh, you great. All the nations of the world are going to be blessed. And God's going to do this great thing in your life. And how many know when we were called by God, God gives the same promises to us through Abraham. Through faith, that means that God is going to do great things with our life. And the people around us are going to be blessed uh, by God in our life. But he doesn't tell us any details. And so I want you to understand the level of um, planning that Abraham has to do here. 
He has to take his family and his household. So his wife, all of these servants, he would have had like a large corporation almost. You know, your corporation was your household. And so he would have had to take a large corporation with large herds and he would have had to move them like three or 400 miles out of that country into another country. And, uh, and this would have been an incredible burden on him. In fact, uh, he had to take provisions. Can you imagine the amount of provisions that you would need to take your entire family to a place where you didn't have any hotels? You know, you didn't have any grocery stores. You know, he just had to go resettle on a land that he wasn't really familiar with. He was a stranger in a new land. And, but all he knew was God had promised. And so what I want you to begin to think about here, you say, well, how does that apply to me? Because what's going to happen in your life is God's going to call you to serve him. And he's going to say, just serve me. Just give your life to me. Trust me with your life. And he's going to say, just make me the Lord of your life and follow me and you will be blessed like crazy. And God means this when he says it. When God says he's going to bless your life, he means he's going to bless your life. And he's going to bless it greater than any blessing that you could have in your life. But we've got to trust him. And when we trust him, uh, it's kind of scary. How many know that? It's kind of scary to trust him. Now, I want you to see what happens when Abraham goes and goes into the new land. Abram gets in the new land and in verse 7 it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land. He's repeating this promise again. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. He pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Now... Next verse. This is very important. There was a famine in the land. Some of your versions say severe famine in the land. Boy, we got a problem here. You know, did God make a mistake? And see, this is the thing. He's being obedient to God. He leaves his home. He goes to a whole new land. Now we have the benefit of knowing what ends up happening with Abraham. I mean, man, this guy gets blessed beyond anything we've ever seen. I mean, he, he, God, I mean, just God's hand is on him and his life is incredibly blessed. God does incredible things to him. But how many know when he goes to the land that God asked him to go to, there was a severe famine there? So how many have you ever done this? How many have you ever trusted God? with your life and you begin to say, well, God, I'm going to trust you through anything. I'm going to give my life to you and you're going to bless my life. And then as soon as you get to the place where God's called you to be, then you're immediately hit with a test. And what God's trying to do is strengthen his faith in God. God's trying to make him the type of person that he's going to bless him and fulfill the promise there. But see, Abraham, Abraham has to um, learn how to trust God. 
And so, in fact, the, the title of the message is Receiving My Faith. How do you receive the promises of God? By faith. And the way you do it is, you trust that God is going to fulfill the promise through you. God is the builder and the architect. God is the one that's making the blueprint. Now, sometimes we think we have the blueprint. Sometimes we think, well, man, I could write a blueprint. You know, who could, how hard is it to write a blueprint? How many think it'd be hard to write a blueprint without training? It'd be hard, it'd be hard to read a blueprint. But it's even harder to write a blueprint. Now, how arrogant could a person be to not be a builder and assume either they don't need a blueprint or they can write their own blueprint? And so this is what we do in our life if we think we know how to build it. How many have ever been there? I can remember when I used to be the Lord of my life. I mean, remember that before you gave your, you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you were the Lord of your life. You were the one in charge. You were the one in control. You were the one that wrote the blueprint or didn't need a blueprint. And so God's saying, hey, wait a minute, Abram. I'm going to do something in your life, but if I do it the way you want it to be done, then who gets the glory and who builds it? But if God is the builder and maker, it says that Abraham was going to a place whose builder and maker was God. Amen? So how many know when you begin to trust God, he begins to put the material list together? Oh boy, what's the material list? That's what I'm going to use to build this promise. You say, well, man, I got the stuff. I got the stuff. God can take me right now and he can do what he wants to do in my life with the way I am right now. And you know what? We're that arrogant. I've been in it 30 years and I'm still that arrogant. How many have been that way? It's like we get mad, we get frustrated, we get disillusioned. We say, God, you said you were going to do this in my life. You said you were going to move in my life. You said you were going to use me to do this. Well, why aren't you doing it? Here I am. And what we're saying is, do it the way I want it done. Let me write the blueprint. Let me tell you how to do it. Let me tell you how it's done. You sit back and watch me build this building. And you take me and do it. Do you realize how hard it would be for God to fulfill his promises with your arrogance? And I'm not just saying you. I don't want you to get upset with me. And me too. You know, my level of love, my level of peace, my level of joy, how many know God has to do a work in all of us? And so he's got to do a work of patience in us. Oh boy. God, do a work of patience in me. Do you know what happens when you pray that prayer? (laughs) God is required to put situations in front of you that require patience. Oh, but Chad, I don't like to wait. But how many know God is the one building the blueprint? He's the one that wants to give you a blessed life. He's the one that wants to change your character, not just your circumstances. You know, there's a difference between changing your circumstances and your character. 
If he changes your circumstances, you're going to be right back in the same circumstance. But if he changes your character, he can truly bless your life. And so God sends things in there. He says, man, part of that material list has to be patience. And so he puts us in situations where we can't move. We're hemmed in. We're like, God, I got this financial issue. And man, I can promise you there's a lot of materials God's trying to build in your heart through that financial issue. How many can say amen? Man, when I went through that financial issue, I never learned how to trust God. I learned how to be patient. I learned how to budget my money. I learned how to save my money. <laughs> how many of you know if God just started pouring piles of cash on your front steps and he didn't make you patiently learn how to deal with money, then your heart would have never changed. And so here Abraham is. He's faced with a famine, which is the worst thing that can happen in the region that he just got sent to. No water, there's nothing. There's no crops, there's no money, there's no food, there's no good life. So here he is right in the middle of the place. God, here I am. How many have ever said that? Trust in you. How many have ever done that? I'm just being honest here. Oh boy, I was better off before I started trusting you. I just want to be honest with everybody. If the Bible's not for changing our life, then what is it for? And sometimes we get mad and say, God, here I left my place three, four hundred miles away. I came to the new promised land and here I am trusting you. And now there's a severe drought. Can I tell you, it takes patience to wait for the blueprints. It takes patience to save up the money for the material list. But you say, well, man, I'm following Christ and I want it now. I want it now. Well, you're going to end up with a house that's halfway built and not ever going to be finished. We see it all the time. Man, I tried serving God and it just don't work. Well, what didn't work about it? He was trying to teach you to be patient. He was trying to, oh, here's one. Teach me to be more loving. Lord, I want to love like you loved. They'll know us by the way we love one another. You know what you just prayed? (laughs) Some of you are laughing. Because the minute you pray to be loving, he sends the most unlovable people in your life. The most unlovable people in your life. You say, why in the world am I working with that person? That is the meanest person I've ever worked with. He hates me, doesn't like me, doesn't say a nice thing to me. It's because God's building the material list. He's trying to teach you how to love the most unlovable. And then when you find a less lovable person, you're pretty good at it. How many have ever learned to love a very unlovable person? And it's like, man, I'm going to have to humble myself here. Probably the reason you couldn't love him in the first place because you had so much pride. And God's saying, well, man, you want to be like me? Well, let's start working on that pride then. How many know God has to write blueprints? He has to build a material list. He has to have something to work with here. And he's saying, if you want to be my disciple, then this is how you'll do it. If you're not ready to let me do the work in you, then you just can't be my disciple. 
But can I tell you something? One of the greatest blessings you'll ever have, the greatest blessing you'll ever have, is to wake up every day and say, God, do a work in me. God, fulfill your promises in me. God, make me a blessing to everybody around me. When you learn to be a loving person, guess what we don't have in this world? We got, we got, let's put it this way. If I had decided not to learn to be a loving person, I would have just been another angry, mean person in the community, just like we see every day. How many understand that? But by saying, God, I want to be a loving person, that means that you're learning how to love your wife. You're learning how to love your kids. You're learning how to love people in your church. You're learning to love the unlovable. And how many think that's not a bad thing to have in the world? More people that know how to love. More people that have true joy. You say, well, man, I got real joy, Chad, when I'm happy. When I got a big paycheck and I got plenty of dollar bills in my pocket, I'm really happy. When my day's going good, I'm really happy. Well, can I tell you, that's not joy. Joy means you got it no matter what's happening in your life. It's not a matter of circumstances. It's a matter of that I've determined to be a joyful person no matter what happens in my life. And the joy of the Lord is in my heart and I'm going to have it every day. Hallelujah. And how many know these are the building materials for a blessed life? For a blessed life. And so Jesus is saying, man, you can see that building and now let's go about building it. What's easy, easy to talk about. But how we do it. Because what's going to happen on Monday morning? We're going to get up. Right? And we're going to turn on the news. And it's going to say there is a massive famine in the land. Just like Abraham did that day. And Abraham, as you look at his life on chapters 12 through probably 37, I think, somewhere around there. Abraham is just an example of a person that was learning to trust God. Like you would see him not really trust God at first. And then you would see him correct himself and begin to be a person who trusted God. But it was all because he believed in a promise. He believed that there was a promise on his life. And so he was faithful to God every day. In fact, it says that Abraham believed in the promise that he was going to a place whose builder and maker was God, and he was faithful every day. And how many know that Abraham never even seen the promises come to pass? He was promised to be the inheritor of the entire promised land, right? And it didn't happen until they came out of Egypt. Well, after Abraham had died, how many know that the things that we do today, you say, well, man... I'm the man. I'm Abraham. God's going to make people fall at my feet and and, and all these amazing things are going to happen and all these miracles are going to happen. I'm going to be the leader of a revival. I'm going to be a leader of a great thing. You know what would make me happy? Is that after I died, all of my kids had a vibrant faith because I was faithful every day because I believed in the promise. I would be happy that if something I built in two churches ago some kind of system or some kind of thing that I built. A hundred years later, there was a revival at that place. How many know that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Somebody that was in my youth group 
Somebody that I discipled. Somebody that I witnessed to at work. Somebody, how about this? How many, how many have ever looked at your spiritual genealogy? Isn't it odd the people that led you to the Lord? Yeah, wouldn't it be awesome that I talked to somebody at work and led them to the Lord and that person led 10 other people to the Lord and that 10 people led 100 people to the Lord? How many know the things that we're doing, we don't have to see it. That blessing is just going all through people's lives. It's affecting people all over the community and we don't even know it. We don't have to have a news report every day saying the things that we're doing are changing people's lives because I can promise you if you do it by faith, something is changing. Lives are changing. Families are changing. And Abraham didn't even see it, but he kept on marching in faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the Lord of his life. And you say, well, Chad, I'm not Billy Graham yet. God promised I would be Billy Graham. I call it the John Wesley complex. Everybody thinks they're the next John Wesley. Everybody thinks they're the next Billy Graham. How about just being faithful every day and seeing God change people's lives every moment of time, just saying, God, today use me to change one person's life for one moment. They may go back being honored as they can be, but you may die and 10 years later, they may be fully serving God in their life. Hallelujah. So how do we grab a hold of the promises by faith? Number one, James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all people without reproach, and it will be given to him. Stop trying to write the blueprint. Go call somebody that does that for a living. You understand what I'm saying? Quit trying to write the blueprint for your life. You're saying, well, man, i got to do this, i got to do that, I'm going to be the architect here. God is the architect of this work. Never forget that. If you want to find out what God's building in your life, ask the guy that's writing the blueprint. And don't question the blueprint. Don't say, well, wait a minute. You know, I think, uh, I think it'd be better if you maybe erased this and maybe did it this way and maybe did it that way. How many know we do that? That's why we're frustrated. That's why we're disillusioned. Instead of just trusting that God has plans and purposes in our life, And we all have a different role to play and we all have different gifts and we all have different things that God's doing in our life. Instead of questioning that, just wake up every day and ask God, God, how can I be faithful to what you're already doing? And just ask him, how can I be faithful today, God? Well, you can be a little nicer to your family. (gasps) What? I thought I was Billy Graham. I thought I was going to preach to the masses today. No, just be nice to the person at the grocery store. Quit being so rotten. Just be full of the Holy Spirit and just be kind to the people. And let God use you a person at a time. Hallelujah. So ask God. He's the one that wrote the blueprint. Number two. Be faithful where you're at. Boy, that's a hard one. But God, this is not where I'm supposed to be. You know, Abraham wasn't where he was supposed to be either. He was supposed to be in the promised land. And I I, I would imagine if he was disillusioned like us, he'd say, God, I should be lapping it up right now in the promised land. You know, by this time, 
I, this place ought to be flowing with milk and honey. I ought to have about 10 youngins running around, right? Because God promised them to be the, as the stars of the sea. I mean, no, he could have been really disillusioned. He could have said, man, this isn't going the way you promised because he waited a lot of years, 25 years, even to have a child. But as a person of faith, he believed that God was going to bless his life. And so the best thing I can tell you is be faithful where you are. You say, well, I don't like where I'm at. (laughs) That's where you're at, though. (laughs) That's where you're at. So be faithful where you are. And, And see, I can see right now. How many remember the story of Joseph in the Bible? He was very young, youngest of his brothers. And he had these promises that God had given him that I'm going to do some special things through this young man. He's dad's favorite. He got this special little jacket that he would wear. And he promised that his brothers, you know, would uh, at some time come to him and, and, and almost bow down to him. How many know promises on his life? How do those promises feel when you're sitting in prison? When you've been sold into slavery by your brothers, which he was... Then you're in prison. Do you see how God works? God was building the materials in Joseph's life to be what he called him to be. And so you say, well, man, I've given my life to God. Things aren't falling into place. Something must be wrong here. No, something's probably right. Trust God wherever you're at. Don't be disillusioned because you've got a promise and the circumstances don't match the promise because it's very common. You say, what happened to anybody else? David. I mean, you know, David got an anointing as a young man to be the next king. Right? As a young boy, a teenager. By the time he becomes king, he's almost 40 years old. I mean, it's much later in life that it happens. He's running for his life. He's a fugitive. I mean, he's waiting a long time for this promise. And I would imagine when he was sitting in a cave running as a fugitive for his life. I mean, you no. Know, in fact, I think he was 30. But it waited almost 15 years, you know, for that promise. I mean, you know, when he was in a cave running for his life and the entire nation was on a manhunt to try to find him, he probably was questioning God's promises. Right? And so, church, I would recommend wherever God has placed us right now, let's be faithful and let's trust God. Hallelujah. Amen. Number three. Number one was ask, make sure we're asking God what his plans are, not our plans. Number two, be faithful where we're at. Number three, listen. That's a hard one, isn't it? We can be praying and we can say, God, I want this, I want this, I want this. I want it to be this way, I want it to be this way, I want it to be this way. And God's saying... Be patient. Just trust me. Just right where you're at, trust me. Right where you're at, be patient. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. I've got promises for you. And sometimes we just don't even hear God because we're talking too much. We're so busy running off being mad at God that we're we're not patient enough to say, God, maybe... You're way ahead of me here. 
Maybe my steps are ordered. How many know that? Steps are ordered by God. And we just sometimes need to just listen. Listen. You say, well, man, I'm hurting. It's difficult. It's hard. God's saying, listen. Just take the time to listen because I've got you there for a purpose. And uh, trust me, I've been there, church. I've been there. I had times... um, I've had times when I've been hemmed in certain places for 10 years and just knew that I had to stay in this place for 10 years. I didn't know it was going to be 10 years, but patiently every day just say, God, I'm patiently going to endure this. I'm going to patiently endure this next thing. I mean, you know, it's more important that God prepares you for what he's called you for rather than just give you what you think he's called you to. (laughs) You know, God's got to really prepare a person's heart, though. Hallelujah. And here's the last one. And this might be the hardest one. Wait. So these are really easy, aren't they? Ask, be faithful, listen, and wait. How many know that we're in a hurry? We're in a real hurry. All the time. Why would a person not have a blueprint? And why would a person not get the materials together? And why would a person not save the money to do the building project right? Because they're in a hurry. And God's call on your life is so important that we just have to be patient. And we have to be willing to wait. And we have to be willing to let God do his perfect will in us. And probably the biggest problem we have in our society is um, we don't ever wait in the same place. We don't ever, I, I never see a person that, you know, in fact, a person will pray and say, Chad, I'm so frustrated. I've been praying about this thing. God, well, how long did you pray last night? Prayed all night, though. I mean, no, there are times you just have to wait upon the Lord. And you have to be willing to just say, God, I'm going to give it to you again today. And God, I'll give it to you again tomorrow. And you just keep giving things to God. And and, and church, I'm just telling you, this is the way to become a disciple of Christ. To really follow him is ask, be faithful where you are, um, listen, and wait. And those are really hard things, but they're very simple things. Stand to your feet this morning. Hallelujah. Worship team. Thank you, thank you. How many have ever? Uh, how many have ever been in this place? <laughs> all of us have been there, and all of us. The, the Lord's ways are so much higher than our ways, and that's what's so hard about it. We think that uh, number one, sometimes we think that our ways are higher than His ways, or we think that He's got a good way, but I could actually make it better if you just listen to me. You know what I'm saying? But his ways are so much higher than our ways. And church, we've got a... In fact, I was reading a story about Abraham Lincoln. And uh, they were saying during the Civil War, they were all praying together. And they said, um, President Lincoln, we're going to pray that God would be on our side in this fight. How many think that's a very logical prayer? And uh, Abraham Lincoln corrected him and said, uh, let's pray that we're on God's side.
Let me know there's a big difference. Sometimes we spend all our time praying that God's on our side. (laughs) You know, God, my side, the way I want to do it. But we need to spend more time saying, hey, God, make sure I'm on your side. Make sure I know what your plans and your purposes are, what the blueprint looks like and what you're trying to do in my life. And I can promise you the greatest thing God will ever do in your life. Man, if God wants to build patience in your life, there's not a greater gift that he can give you. If he wants to build love in your life, there's not a greater gift that he can give you. But sometimes we're afraid. You know, we want temporary things and we don't let God build those things in our lives. So let's just find a place this morning. Let's just pray that God would uh, help us, you know, to trust him in life. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. And uh, Lord, we're going to trust you no matter what, Lord. Lord, we want to receive the promises in our life like Abraham did. We want to trust you. To develop us, Lord, to change our character, change our hearts. Oh, Lord, make us more like you. That's the desire in our heart, Lord. To be like you, Lord God. To to finish, Lord, this house that you, um, you said what you've started in us, you will be faithful to finish. And Lord, we don't want a house that's halfway done. We want a house that is uh, completed, Lord God. And uh, the promises fulfilled and... So today, Lord, I pray that you bless every frustrated heart, every angry heart, every disillusioned, disappointed heart, Lord. Let them understand that your promises are great and you're going to do big things in their life, Lord, if they'll trust you all the way through, Lord, long term. In your name I pray, Lord Jesus. If you need prayer this morning, maybe you've never given your heart to the Lord to trust him in the first place. You can come up to the altar. We'll pray for you. I'll pray for you after church. You can call me in your spare time. I'll pray with you. Hallelujah. The main thing is that you know what you're doing and you give your life to Christ completely. Hallelujah. Maybe you're going through something. You need to find a place to pray and we'll pray over you. Hallelujah. How many of you know it's important to lay hands on? If you're frustrated, no better way to deal with frustration than have people lay hands on you and pray for you. Hallelujah. So if that's you today, find a quiet place to pray or you're welcome to come to the altar this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As I close in a word of prayer, one other thing I want you to think about. As I was reading this, it shed new light on the verses before it. With the example of a building project, talking about discipleship, he said, you know, make sure you're willing to stick with this to the end. Because it's going to require me to make a building blueprint. It's going to require me to put the materials together. It's going to require me to do this work in you, and I will complete it. Then it makes me realize the verses before it which say large large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yet even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Then he begins to go into the, suppose you want to build a tower. 
You know, I always thought about that as, um, how many have a picture of all these disciples following him and they're leaving everything to go follow him and but let's just say it's people deciding to serve him as the Lord of their life. That's following Jesus, right? That's what we know to be following Jesus. And so he's saying, anybody who wants to follow me, and he gives these extreme examples, you have to be willing to put me above your mother, your father, your brothers, your sisters, even your own family, even your own self. And then in other places, he says, well, wait a minute. The guy says, I have to go uh, take care of some property. Another guy says, I have to go bury a family member. And I think what Jesus is saying is, if you decide to serve me, you're going to have all kinds of things happen in your life. I mean, know this. We've had to go through grieving. We've had to go through things with business problems. We've had to go through things with family members. How many know what God is saying is you don't just put this on the side burner and get back to it. This is the number one thing in your life. Go through it whenever you're grieving. Serve me. Whenever you're going through stressful things, stay focused on me. Serve me. How many know if we want to be a disciple of Christ, we can't keep putting him on the back burner. It's got to be on the forefront. God, I'm going to serve you through everything. No matter what happens in my life, no matter what ups and downs, I'm going to stick with this until the end, and we're going to build this thing that you're building in me. How many can do that today? Hold his hand and never let go no matter what you go through. Hallelujah. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, bless your people. Fill them full of your spirit, Lord God. Father, I pray that you work through them this week. Do mighty things in their life. Protect them, Lord, and let your spirit go with them everywhere they go, Lord. Your name we pray and everybody said, Amen.